So, what images come to your mind as you think of the wise men that we are presented here in Matthew's gospel? I know for me, when I think of wise men, I always think of all the children's Christmas plays that I've seen over the years. And it's hard for me to not picture kids with bathrobes and Burger King crowns, you know, trying to look wise and regal. You know, and then other times I think about all of the uh, Christmas cards I get of wise men on them. And sometimes the wise men, of course, are, you'll see them, there's usually like two of them, two pictures you get. One is they're, uh, they're walking through the desert with their camels, or they're bowed at the uh, manger before the Christ child. You know, it's interesting to think about, but in Luke's gospel, we get shepherds. We get shepherds and no wise men. In Matthew's gospel, we don't have a lot of shepherds, but we do get the wise men, right? And the wise men, of course, weren't really there in the very beginning when the birth took place. I mean, they didn't make it in time to boil water for Mary's birth. And we don't know a whole lot about them. We do know that they more than likely weren't kings. They were probably magi, or another word would be astrologers, right? And we also don't know, I don't know if you've ever been asked this question, how many kings were there? How many magi were there? What would you say? Three, right? We just read the text. There was no number. We we usually go with three because number one, it's in the song, right? We don't want to mess that up. But there's, there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there could have been two, there could have been three, there could have been 30. We have no idea if we're going to go from what the biblical text tells us. But no matter how many there were, they do come to us on this day and they have something to teach us. They have something to offer us. One of the first things that they offer is, and here at Jesus' birth, who comes to Jesus' birth? Well, you have a peasant family that's out in a barn, that shepherds, who many considered to be outlaws, they came. And then the others that came were these astrologers. And you know what? They weren't Jewish. They were Gentile. And Gentile just means Anybody who's not Jewish, right? And so on this Epiphany Sunday, that's one of the things we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that the good news of Jesus Christ come into the world is for all people. Praise be to God. These outsiders that were there, they represent us. They represent this. These foreigners who came. Now, They had a whole different way of seeing life. They had a whole different attitude. They had a whole different culture. But you know what? They came. God got them there. Now, the Magi had this foreign belief system, and the Old Testament tried to steer the Hebrew people away from things like astrology. And for that reason, it seems strange that Matthew would tell us about these guys who used their astrology 
to find Jesus. I mean, Matthew certainly isn't endorsing astrology. The New Testament actually warns us against the use of astrology, saying, you know what? The stars aren't going to tell you your future, all right? Really, you got to come to understand that your future is in the hands of God, and praise be to God for it. My friends, we're called to trust in the future, trust in that it's in God's hands. Now, I do believe that Matthew is saying to us that God meets us where we are, that God seeks us out no matter what our circumstances that we find ourselves in, and that God can use anything to get our attention. God can draw us to Jesus from wherever we are and by whatever path we need to travel. You know, in his book, Organic Church, Growing Faith Where Life Happens, Pastor Neil Cole tells a story about a young man named Sean. Now, Sean was an outstanding musician before drug use took everything from him. He sold all of his, interests, his instruments to feed his drug habit. He lost his jobs because he'd often steal from his employers to buy more drugs. Sean was really just circling the drain and about to go down for the very last time. And Pastor Kroll writes this in his book. We invited Sean to church. And I must admit, I was surprised when he came. And I was even more surprised when he came back again and again. Eventually, he even began to smile and interact with us. Even though Sean had been a believer in Christ, he continued to backslide into his addiction. Pastor Cole suggested to Sean that he go into rehab, but Sean said, I've tried that and it just doesn't work. And that's when Pastor Cole had a radical idea. Sean asked, okay, Pastor, what is this idea? And Pastor Cole responded, you and I are gonna get in my car right now, and we're gonna drive over to your drug dealer and we're gonna tell him about Jesus. Pastor Cole added with a smile, maybe if your dealer gets saved, then you'll be cut off from your source. Well, Sean said it was actually a pretty good idea, but that it wouldn't work if Pastor Cole went with him. You see, his dealer was a woman, and a mother in fact. She lived next door to him in the ghetto and supplied drugs for all the local kids. And so Sean went, and he went alone. And he went and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. And from that point on, he couldn't get any more drugs. And she became a believer in Christ. And he was free of his addiction. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ received and given to others transformed their hearts. Now, I share that story just to say this. People come to Jesus Christ in many ways. Whoever these wise men were, they show us that we can never predict 
how God will bring us to Christ. And it is not our job to judge others when they are brought to Christ. Or to say, you can only come to Christ through these acceptable means. The love and the grace of God are working. See, the grace of God is always out there in our lives. And the grace of God is abundant. The grace of God is for everybody. But when it comes to you specifically, the experience of that grace can be very unique. Because God knows you better than you know yourself. And God can hook you, love you, bring you in. And that's exactly what we need to give thanks to God for. And that's exactly what the message that comes from the wise men on this day is all about. Now, one of the things that we have that happens in this text is that we have King Herod just kind of lurking behind the scene, don't we? Because Herod can't see the good news behind the birth of Jesus. Why? Because he's seething with jealousy. Because he does not want to share his power. And so he makes very foolish and dangerous decisions to try and hold back what God intends. Have we ever tried to hold back what God intends? I think sometimes we do. So often we say no to God's plans for our lives. And Herod wants to stand in God's way. And so with a fake smile on his face and treachery in his heart, he invites the Magi for a talk, claiming that he wants to go and honor Jesus. Herod asks the Magi to let him know where Jesus is. Now, it's very interesting here in, in Matthew's gospel because we have a comparison that takes place. And the comparison is between the Magi, the wise men, and the wise counselors that Herod has in his court. Because what do they do? He, he comes to his counselors and says, okay, all right, what about this baby born who's supposed to be king of the Jews, this Messiah? And they go, oh, yeah, we've heard about him. He's in the prophets. And you know, if you're going to find him, it says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So that's what's going on here. Isn't this amazing, y'all? Do you hear this? These people are Jewish. These people have been told that their Messiah has come. And they even have foreknowledge of it. You know, the prophets have told them. And when they're told that the Messiah is here, not one of them goes, you know, I'm curious about this. We ought to go check this out. This is a big deal. These foreigners from another country are the ones who come in. And they say, you know what? It's not enough about just having knowledge about Jesus. You got to do something with the knowledge. You got to make a difference with the knowledge. You know what? That's my problem. Sometimes I just know too much and do too little. Amen? Maybe, maybe you're with me. Maybe you're not. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying sometimes it's about action. It's not just about knowing. You know, they weren't interested. They were sitting in power. 
And so why in the world would they do anything but try to keep their power? And that's what they did. They didn't care about what was happening in the margins to the marginalized. But you know what? They missed the Messiah's birth. Do we ever hold the truth in our hand and then still miss the living Lord amongst us? You know, their behavior, attitudes, and allegiances seem to be radically different than those of the foreign magi. Herod and his minions represent all those who claim to have a noble purpose, but who really only act out of self-interest about doing their will and not God's. They stand for all of us who find ourselves clutching for power without regard for who it might hurt. Friends, I hope you hear this, but you know what? When King Herod gets frightened, people die. Sometimes when we get frightened, people die. I mean, Herod was paranoid. And so he ordered the killing of his brother-in-law, his uncle, and then his wife. And after the royal bloodshed, Herod was still didn't feel safe. And so he then executed his mother-in-law and his three grown sons. Of course, we know that in Matthew 2, 16 through 18, Herod then does something that's even more atrocious than just killing his own family. He does a massacre of innocent children. I'm here to tell you, fear and self-interest, when they are trying to hang on to power, they will result in horrible evil. Herod's plan might have worked, except there was God. In a dream, God does what? God points the Magi to a different path away from Herod. And the wise men have taught us something by the way they arrived and by the way they leave. They went back to their country, the text tells us, by a different route. Could Matthew be offering us a hint about life to those who have met Christ? You know, once you kneel before Christ, nothing is ever the same. You don't have the same road any longer. God leads you in a new way, and many times those ways will be unexpected. When we kneel before Jesus, we are called down another road. God leads us away from the evil of the world, because when we kneel before Jesus, nothing is ever the same. Amen? So when we see Magi this year, we see them on the Christmas cards and we see them in the nativities, may they remind us that God welcomes us no matter where we start from. And as we begin a new year, let us kneel before Christ. Let us pledge ourselves to Christ as our Lord and Savior. And let's understand we walk crossroads, we go on crossways, and we do it for God's sake and for our own sake. For the way of Christ is the only way that's actually going to lead us somewhere. And so in this new year, I don't care if you make a New Year's resolution or not. 
I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure they're worth it. There is one. I, I made a New Year's resolution about 10 years ago, and I've kept it. And my New Year's resolution was not to make resolutions anymore. <laughs> and it worked. But here's what I want to invite you to do with this being 2024 and a new year. And you're here in just a moment when you come forward and you kneel, you come forward and you stand, or even in your pew. Give your life again to Christ Jesus. Kneel before God, because when you kneel before the Lord, everything changes. Give yourself to God. That's a good way to start the new year. Matter of fact, that's a good way to start every year. It's a good way to start every day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.